I have a question for you. Is your Christian experience lacking? Does the life of joy, peace, and victory promised in the Bible, does it seem empty to you? You called out to God to forgive you, to save you. Your new life in Him was fresh. That real personal fellowship with Jesus, it was sparking, but momentarily it began to fade quickly. But why? Do the life and experiences described in the Bible, do you think that's only for the super saints or only for those who are specially called? You think it was regulated just to that specific time and place in history and it ended with the death of the apostles? No, I don't think that it was. You know, it doesn't make sense for the Lord to promise all that He has promised and to give to every believer all that He has given, only to tease us with some promise of a new life that is, it seems to elude us as we live here in this world today. If this describes your experience, don't you know that there's good news? You know, this next series of messages, it is for you. You know, you're not stuck where you are spiritually. I believe the reason many believers in Christ Uh, stand in greater contrast to what we read in the Bible is because the living part of living in Christ, it just isn't actively being lived out in our life. Maybe we were never discipled and taught, this is what you do, and that's what you do to be a follower of Jesus. We have our Sunday morning experience, but the rest of our week seems to be spiritually vacant. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, whether a beginning seeker looking to know who God is and, or you're a veteran follower, you know, these messages will do well to encourage you and build our walk with the Lord and also prepare our church as a whole for better present and future ministry to people so that we may do as he's put that challenge to us from the very beginning as I began preaching about possessing the land that the Lord's got for us. You know, what makes a difference in someone who really they're growing in Christ? It's making our actual, making our beliefs into actual practices. You know, that's what it means to be orthodox with a little o. Right practice and right belief, or rather, what we practice, it matches what we believe. You know, does what we really practice in our life as a believer in Christ, does it really match what we believe? You know, I believe that, you know, if we say we believe this or that, we need to be living that. You know, so I want to encourage you to do what I call personal spiritual practices. Personal spiritual practices; these are catalysts that accelerate spiritual growth, and they're consistent with scriptures and spiritual formation traditions of the church. You, aside from hearing the Lord with our own eyes and ears, these practices; these are venues through which we can experience and commune with the Lord daily, not just Sunday only. You know, if we only perceive Him from a pastor or reading a book, then our, our experience with him is going to be limited. But personal spiritual practices, they enable you and I to carry on fellowship through the week and experience him and grow at our own rate. You know, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, the Apostle Paul said, he said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Rather, he means to take responsibility for your own spiritual growth with great care. Take up the responsibility for it. You know, the intimacy of human relationships, it's similar to how we grow intimately with Jesus Christ. By frequent and intimate communication and experiences, we know people better. We grow more intimate. A relationship can only grow so deep if the communication is just a wave across the parking lot. 
versus someone that you know so well you can finish one another's sentences. That's the difference between knowing God well simply from attending Sunday morning church only versus spending time with Him daily, alert and responsive to His promptings during the week. Does that make sense? Personal spiritual practices, they are the secret to growing in our faith from being a new believer in Christ to becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. In the book, Move, What 1,000 Churches Reveal About Spiritual Growth, we find that personal spiritual practices that are most helpful to believers in their journey to spiritually maturing in their faith in Christ and real life change that we all desire, that we all really want, those personal spiritual practices that are most uh, influential in helping people grow are prayer, tithing, believe it or not, tithing helps people grow spiritually, journaling, solitude, reflecting on scripture, and Bible reading. These are the most influential personal spiritual practices. And so in this series, we're going to cover those and talk about how to actually you know, implement those things into our lives, apply those things to our lives. You know, God's word is meant to be applied to our lives, not to be simply read only. So the first personal spiritual practice that I want to talk to you about today is Bible reading. Have you ever wondered why the Lord has made his word survive generations? It's so that mankind through all generations who have been disconnected from their creator might know him, know what he thinks, know what he's like, understand him, their relationship to him, and how we can please him. You know, our problems and the reasons why we have problems in our life is because we don't know the good way that God has designed things to work. And we learn that from reading the Bible. That's why our relationships have gone awry if we don't know God's word very well. Marriages fail. Why you never seem to get ahead in life. Why we don't receive many of the real blessings that the Bible talks about. It may be because we have a very limited knowledge and understanding of the Bible. How do you make decisions? How do you choose? What do you use to guide you as you make decisions in life? Do you use your own limited knowledge and experience? Or do you draw from the Bible that well of deeper spiritual truths that transcend all human understanding? If you turn with me in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, you can look at these. This verse here, he says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. You know, quite often that's what we do. We lean on our own understanding. You know, we're going to read the Bible and we say, well, I know the Bible says this, but you know what? I really just, this is what I would want to do. I want to do it my way. You know, we're not Elvis. I did it my way. Okay, that's not how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live doing it Jesus' way. But in Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6, he says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean on your understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him. And he'll make your path straight. That is, he's going to make your path straight so you don't waste time going from here to there. You're not going to be detoured financially, digging yourself out of debt later because we didn't follow biblical advice. You won't have to spend years trying to understand and heal from emotional turmoil that came from maybe our own choices in life. He says, so that your path may be made straight. You don't have to do all these detours that's going to take you a long time to get to where he wants you to go and where you really want to go yourself. He wants to make your path straight. You know, it's like having a set of keys. You know, we do this quite often. 
I've got a set of keys here, and there's one key on this ring that opens my office. Now, I can go through all these keys and try this one, and it doesn't unlock it. I can grab the other one, try to unlock it with that key, try another key and unlock it with that one. I can try all the keys on this key ring except for the one that really works. Now, it would be foolish for me to keep trying the same old keys that don't work over and over again, but that's what we do quite often. We keep doing the same things we've always done, and we don't know why it's not working. It's because we're not using the right key. And so we learn what those right keys are from reading God's Word and knowing what His Word says. Scripture not only tells us who God is, how to be saved, but they're here. It's here for the good of our daily living, you know, for every area of our life. You know, young people, don't you want a good life? Don't you want all of God has for you? You don't want to miss out on, on so many years that have wasted because of poor choices. I mean, how many people have you known who said, I want, to, I want to live on the risky side of sin. I want to sow my wild oats, and then I'll come to Jesus. You know, that's foolish thinking. You know, one wrong decision can really detour you for a long time in life. Jesus said in Luke 4, verse 4, if you'll turn there, we're talking about reading God's Word, reading the Bible as a personal spiritual practice we need to do every day. Luke chapter 4, verse 4, he said, when he was tempted, he said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You know, I believe Jesus really meant that it was God's design that mankind is never intended to be contented by eating physical, material food alone, but must consume God's word for really fulfillment of our heart and soul and life. You know, that's why sometimes we'll reach for food that's comfort food, so we want some comfort for our soul. And we're reaching for the wrong kind of food. We need spiritual food for that. That's why he gives us his word. You know, in Ezekiel chapter 3, the Lord told Ezekiel, eat my word. Eat this role that I've given to you. This word of prophecy. You know, wouldn't it be great if we could just take the Bible and put it on our forehead and just soak it in like a sponge? You were just rubbing on our, on our body, on our arms and legs and just soaking in. You know, and just get it in us that easily. But it just doesn't happen like that. In Deuteronomy chapter 17, I want you to look at this. This is very interesting. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 18 through 19. I'm reading from the King James this morning. It says, And it shall be when he sits upon the throne of his kingdom, he's talking about the king, whoever becomes king of Israel, it shall be whenever he sits on the throne of his kingdom that he shall write for himself a copy of the law of this book out of that which is before the priests and the Levites. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it there in all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, and to keep all the words of his laws and statutes, and to do them. That his heart may not be lifted up against his brethren, and that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, to the end that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, and his children in the midst of Israel." See, it was a command that you know, the king, they should know God's word really well, so well that they would even write their own copy of it as a way to better learn it. I remember from my home church many years ago, a great Bible teacher, Jabe Richardson. I don't know any of you, if you've ever known him. It was his goal that he would read through the Bible two times a year. And he had begun rewriting a copy of the Bible himself just so that he could learn it better. You know, what a great goal that was. To learn God's word so well. Your Bible reading 
is a great personal spiritual practice. It's something that we need to do. And so I encourage you, if you don't have a routine, you can develop one. Something that I do is I like to read a book, a chapter out of Proverbs you know, every day. Today is the 27th, so I would read Proverbs chapter 27. I would also read a few chapters out of Psalms because that sets me up for prayer and praise. That's what you read a lot in the book of Psalms. And then I'll, I'll pivot to something that I'm studying in the Bible. And I encourage you to find something that you would like to study in the Bible and to go after that. You know, what interests you? Search that thing in the Bible. It could be a topic of anything. Is it, if it's about financial wealth, if it's about business, if it's about relationships, dancing, anything. You know, it's like that Prego commercial. You know, it's all in there. You just need to search for it and find it. So you can search things and study God's word by a topic. You also may want to search by simply studying through a whole book at one time. And going through it verse by verse, studying God's word like that. You may decide to study a certain character in the Bible. There's an author, Liz Curtis Higgs, that some years ago, she had the curiosity to study about the bad girls of the Bible. And she did. And that's the title of her book that she got published from that study, The Bad Girls of the Bible. So whether you're searching a topic, you have a problem of your own, uh, Read the Bible. We can't read God's word for you. You have to do it yourself. It's something that we need to do. It is one of the best personal spiritual practices that I can encourage you to do. A second personal spiritual practice that I want to encourage you to do today is reflecting on Scripture. So if you're taking notes, reflecting on Scripture. From the research of this study, it was noted that the most influential, out of all those that I listed to you, the most influential factor that believers in these 1,000 churches said helped them to grow spiritually, meditation and reflection on Scripture was the most influential that helped them to grow spiritually. It was the most powerful activity that they did. You you could read the Bible and read some verses and just check off, I read my Bible today. You just read through it, you ran through it quickly. You didn't really sit there on those verses and really try to learn about them. But when we just read a cursory reading, just quickly, it doesn't stick with us very long. You know, we're not to do spiritual practices of prayer and Bible study and reflection just to check off, you know, I did that today, so, hey, I've done my thing. No, it's about getting to know Him. It's doing these things so that we can commune with our Creator, with our Lord. He's called us to a personal relationship with Him. He's a personal God. And so that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to know him. He already knows all about us, but he wants us to know him better. See, reflection is whenever we give focus to reading Scripture slowly, seeking to understand every word, every part, we draw out the fuller meaning of it. You know, meditate means to ponder, to commune, to talk with oneself. If you turn with me to Joshua chapter 1, this is a passage where uh, one of the first sermons that I've preached to you. In Joshua chapter 1, this is the point where the children of Israel, it is time for them to begin to enter the promised land. And so the Lord gives a commission to Joshua. He says, Moses is time. He's dead and gone. You're the new leader now. And he tells Joshua in verse 8, he says, The book of this law it shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. That's a long time. Not just reading it a few verses in the morning and we check off and that's it. He says you need to meditate on it 
day and night. Why? That you may observe to do everything that's written in it. And then you shall make your way prosperous. Listen, you want to be prosperous? The Bible says you need to meditate on and do what God's word says and you'll be prosperous. It's the picture of a cow chewing its cud. If any of you have ever grown up on a farm before, a cow has a four-chambered stomach. And the cow has the ability, after it eats grass and plant material in that first chamber, it can bring that plant material back up and rechew it again in order to break down those plant cell walls so it can derive all the nutrient that it can out of the plant material that it's been eating. It helps to break it down for better digestion. And that's what meditation of Scripture is, reflecting on Scripture is. It's digesting God's Word. It's taking Scripture, reading it, then rereading again slowly, thinking about every word, studying, pulling out a word, learning the, the meaning of that word, putting it back in again, and studying it and reading it again slowly to get all the meaning out of it, mulling over it again and again. That's what reflection on Scripture is. Turn with me to Psalms 119. Psalms 119, verse 105. He says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. See, we would, we would reflect and meditate on it all like, like, like this. Lord, your word, this is your word. This is word of God, creator. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Lord, your word, your inspired thought and word, it is yours. It is a lamp unto my feet and light unto my path. You emphasize every word and think about the fuller meaning of it. The word of God, our creator. This is his word and his thought. It is a lamp. It will shine light into your feet, into your path, so you can see where you're going and not stumble. Get off your mark. I know some Christians, they they shy away from meditation because they think it's associated with Eastern religions, and so it's something they don't want to do. But the Bible exhorts us to meditate and reflect on Scripture. Did you know that? Staying in the book of Psalms 119, verse 15, he says, Thy word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. I'm sorry, that's verse 11. Verse 15, he says, I will meditate in your precepts and have respect unto your ways, O Lord. Psalm 63, verse 6. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the night watches. See, we're encouraged to meditate on God's Word, to think about it. Your meditation of Scripture, it accelerates the path of growth in us. You and I can never understand the principles and truths of Scripture for life change unless we make a concerted effort in time and thought to read and understand God's Word better, more fully. My encouragement to you is not just to read Scripture, checking it off and saying, well, I'm done. You know, these personal spiritual practices we're going to learn, they aren't just to do and check off, but to draw us closer to the Lord. If we read Scripture, notice that it has no No effect or very little effect on us. It may be because we haven't really become very proficient at this particular practice of reflecting on Scripture and meditating it. Show me a believer who meditates and reflects on Scripture, and I'll show you a believer who has come far in their spiritual understanding. It's a very important practice to do. 
The power and effect of being immersed in the Bible, it is unmistakable. It's noticeable, just as not filling our heart with His Word, that's noticeable too. You can always tell when somebody, man, they've got a good grasp on God's Word and they spend time with Him, versus someone who doesn't. Turn with me to Psalms chapter 1. The psalmist said, Blessed is the man that doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinner, nor he does he sit in the seat of the scornful. But in his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he, what? He meditates day and night. Day and night. And what's the result of that? He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. And his leaf, it shall not wither, and whatsoever he does... He will prosper. You want to prosper. There he is again. You want to prosper in life? Meditate and do God's word. He says, this person that meditates, they are fruitful, they are grounded, they are well supplied, they're prosperous. Don't you want that for your life? You know, we're missing out on so much if we don't learn to meditate and reflect on God's word. I know it takes time, but we need to give time to that. None of us are really too busy that we can't. Reflect on God's word. You know, as you're busy at the, at the sink washing dishes or cooking or working in the yard, man, or whatever it is, you know, you can reflect on God's word and meditate as we do things. You can still do that. If I had to pick one personal spiritual practice to add to people's routine of what they do, this would be the one right here. To meditate and reflect on scripture. Where you don't know God but seek him, but you're still a seeker. A believer looking for his guidance, you're looking for comfort. I encourage you to still seek him, not just on Sunday, but on every day of the week. He promises that if we seek him, we will find him if we look for him with all of our heart. He says he will reveal himself to you. This is Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17. If you feel stalled out or stagnant in your spiritual life with God, jumpstart it by reading and meditating on Scripture. As I said, you look for something that interests you. If there's a problem in your life, you find those scriptures, or you ask somebody that you think they know God's word a little bit better than you, you can find it. You have a concordance in the back of your Bible. Use that to search topics and scriptures that you need for your life, promises that God has. Seven personal spiritual practices to change your life. Are we seeking to, as we are seeking to refine and prune what we do, and we prepare and consecrate ourselves to possess the land that God has for us. I strongly encourage every one of you to build these habits into your life and cover them as we cover them in this series. If we do, you know, we'll live closer to Jesus Christ. We'll grow spiritually more healthy. We'll care for other people better. And our church will be that rescue ship that saves people. It will.